0: So I've, uh, starting out, I want to share a little bit the previous verses to the two verses that are going to be our main uh, subject today. Because I, I need to give more of the context, I feel. And Paul, as noted a little bit in what I read, is that his he was having a lot of problems with the Corinthians. and And there were leaders that were calling into question his authority and his leadership. And so this is where this this text comes into view here. And you'll see um, when he talks about his revelations, which is a remarkable thing, he's going to be talking about in the third person when we read this. So it is Paul that he's talking. He's talking about himself. But these visions and revelations, these other People, These false teachers were using those kind of things to make themselves uh, seem uh, legitimate, more important. And so Paul is going to have a whole different look on that as we read this, you'll see. So he says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into third heaven. I just should say this. There was a guy that was picking up cardboard at my place, and he told me that he had this, you know, near, he almost died. But he asked uh, that they wouldn't, if that happened, not to revive him or have extraordinary means to keep him alive because he wanted to see what Paul saw. He wanted to go to the third heaven. And so I thought that was quite remarkable when he told me that. So I went and looked at this text. Um, and, And we read on here. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may, uh, may not utter. Think: Have you ever thought about what, what is laying, what is waiting for us there? some spectacular things that he uh, says he 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 may not even utter and talk about. And uh, this idea of third heaven, I learned in my studying that the first heaven is kind of in a sense where the birds fly. The second heaven is where the planets and the stars are. But the third heaven is where God dwells. And we see another term for that is paradise. And so uh, we'll see here that Although others used revelations, uh, special visions and revelations, Paul will not. And these are the four more verses before we get to our text today. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would Couple things I want to make note out of here, and we we're going to be mainly in this uh, that he will not boast about these visions or revelations, but he accepts of his weaknesses. And then he makes a point to say in this verse seven, so to keep me from being conceited, and he mentions that at that end of the verse too. Again, to keep him from being conceited. This is why. This is how God used this thorn. In his flesh, and another way you could use this um, this phrase, "thorn in the flesh," would be like a stabbing pain. And so, I want to speak to each person today individually, because we all have different pains and struggles in our lives. And so, I want us to to apply this. You know, we know of other people who maybe have harder things or uh, than we are that we do. But I want us to let this message speak to you today. And I. And I was struck when, when you read the word, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Uh, another version uses begged, right? So if you've ever had uh, a trial or, or uh, some uh, thing you're suffering from, and, and if you've ever begged the Lord to take that away, then you start to feel a little bit what's going on here. And so I think this is, this is the reality of our lives on this earth. We have struggles, right? We have difficult things. And so but interestingly, uh, we'll see in the verses that we read, uh, God said no, in a sense that he wouldn't remove that thorn. And even though it was Satan, that this sharp, sharp pain or this thorn was, uh, it says right in the, in the text there, was a messenger of Satan. But God used this in his life, in Paul's life, to keep him from being conceited. It's interesting to note that Jesus prayed three times also to have the cup removed. But uh, Jesus, uh, the answer in a sense was also no. He had, to, he had to drink that cup, right, to, in order to uh, for salvation for us. And so these are, are good uh, words to think about for the context. And uh, just be, be thinking today about whatever uh, trials or struggles that may be in your life. <coughs> And so this first point, if you have your bulletin, I have three points on there. And this is the first one, that God's grace is sufficient. And we see in our text, this is the first verse that I'm going to break up into pieces and look at. And I'll read it through here. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. So this is God's answer. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so, as we go through this, I want to just uh, start out by, by uh, breaking this first phrase, my grace is sufficient for you. And the first point I want to make here is, this is Jesus responding to Paul. Now, I wouldn't have known this if I hadn't uh, read this in the commentary and studied it, but there's two pointers to it. We read in this verse 8, three times he pleaded with the Lord about this. And then in verse 9, it, it talks about, uh, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And, and normally when we pray, we pray to our Heavenly Father, right? But it's okay to pray directly to Jesus. And, and the reason I found this striking was because Jesus uh, was a man, Right? He walked, he, he was 100% man, 100% God. He walked on this earth in his humanity. And so he knows our weaknesses. We sing that song, Jesus knows our every weakness, right? So um, he experienced weakness. Uh, he was without sin. So in that way, he was different than us. But he did have uh, moments I was thinking about when he was in the wilderness for 40 days without food. Think about how weak. That would make you feel. And so Jesus, to to go to him with our prayers directly, I found was a beautiful thing. And then it's Jesus responding to him, saying to Paul, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. And this word grace can also be interpreted favor or love. And I... As I studied this, if you think about whatever struggle or trial you're going through, if you think about Jesus saying to you today, uh, Norma, my favor is sufficient for you, or my love is sufficient for you, right? When when we go through struggles, uh, think about Jesus specifically calling you by name, saying, Steve, my love is sufficient for you. It, it has more impact when we think about our Lord and Savior direct, uh, directly addressing us, letting us know that His love is sufficient. And then another thing we, we, with this word grace, oftentimes where you see the word grace, you could just put the name Jesus in there. So I could, use, I could do the same thing and I could say to Norma, Jesus is sufficient for you, right? We need more of Jesus this is This is the 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 life of a believer of a Christian. We need more of Jesus, and so we can uh, recognize that Jesus is enough. We sang that song the very first song about grace is enough, right We could say Jesus is enough for whatever you're going through, whether God removes that pain or not, Jesus is enough and so uh I want to spend a little time talking about this sufficient uh, part of this phrase, my grace is sufficient for you. And I have uh, the first point I want to make is, is, is sufficient for today's troubles. And oftentimes, if you look back on your life, you, you see that God brought you through many different struggles, maybe and trials. But it seems that the troubles that are in the present are the hardest, right? Sometimes uh, the troubles passed, they seem to get smaller over time or we we tend to forget about them, but the troubles that we're in now sometimes seem the most difficult and the most pressing. And so I just wanna assure everyone that His grace is sufficient for today's troubles. And in one of the commentaries, they had a number of bullet points that we can look at about this grace. Um, and, and it's sufficiency to do these things. And so I want to read these through with you. So His grace is sufficient to uphold you. I was thinking the other day, even in my own personal life, uh, you know, there's different challenges sometimes with work and family and marriage. And and uh, I would say I was kind of almost at a breaking point. Now, for me, that would have been crying, tears. Uh, but just that reminder, and I, I, I came to the Christmas Eve service pretty emotional, but I, 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 I felt I needed to preach this message to myself that His grace was sufficient to uphold me. He's sufficient. Uh, his grace is sufficient to strengthen me and strengthen you. He's sufficient to comfort you, sufficient to make your troubles useful to you. He's sufficient to enable you to triumph over troubles. He's sufficient to bring you out of 10,000 like it. And God's grace is sufficient to bring you home to heaven. And his grace will give you uh, whatever is good for you. We know in Romans for his children that that is a promise that for those that love him, God will work things out to uh, our good. So we can hold on to that as well. And I have three illustrations and this was uh, Charles Spurgeon, if you've read any of his material, it's so beautifully written. And he had these three illustrations, and so I want to use these to try to give us an idea how this, uh, this grace can never be exhausted or never run out. And I'm sure I won't do as beautiful a job as he did in presenting this, but you could probably Google it and read it for yourself. But... Um, it's important for us when we feel overwhelmed to know that his grace will never run out. And the first example he had was a fish. Now he used a river in England, but I will use the Mississippi River. So if you think of a fish in the Mississippi River being concerned about, he needed a certain amount of water uh, for, you know, to breathe and everything, but he was going to run out of water. How ridiculous, right? In the, in the Mississippi River, this little fish, he was never going to run out of water. And so I want you to, I give these analogies, so if you are overwhelmed or if you're in struggles, just start to remember that his grace will never run out. And the example that he gave on the mouse was, after the seven years of plenty in Egypt, if you remember that story, the granaries were full, right? And so think of a little mouse thinking, I'm worried that I'm going to run out of grain, right? This is after the seven years of plenty, all the granaries are full. You'll never run out of grain. This little mouse is not to worry. He's never going to run out of grain. And for us today, don't worry. God's grace will never run out. That's the point. And the last one is the man on the mountain. So if you picture a person standing on, let's say, Mount Baker, and being concerned with, I'm breathing so many cubic feet of air every minute, and I'm concerned that I'm going to run out of air. Uh, that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. So let those kind of help sink, sink home that idea that His grace uh, will never run out, no matter what your trial and what your struggle is today. And as I pointed out earlier, uh, this is a personal message uh, for each person. So this is uh, for you individually. And the next point in the bulletin is strength perfected. So I want to talk a little bit more about about that. And this phrase is our next part of our text. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And God's word is so amazing because... If you listen to the world around you, you'd never hear a phrase like this. This is a very profound. And one of the ways that I helped, it helped me to understand it is that God's power shines more brightly when he uses uh, weak people, right? You think about uh, that he can uh, use somebody who's weak and, and do great things. It's because of his power. And so this is why I believe he uses weak people is because it, gives, it brings more glory and praise to him. And this is the, the, the main, one of the main points about why he would use uh, weak people is to bring praise and glory to his name. And as, we were, as we're talking about power, you could also use the word strength. And so his strength is uh, made perfect in weakness and there's uh this this was in my esv study bible and i thought this helped to bring out this point point. and we know that throughout scripture we see many examples of people that god uses that were weak you take moses for example he was concerned that he couldn't speak to pharaoh because his speech his speech he had a problem speaking and so uh, in a sense, he talked God into letting him take his brother along to be the spokesperson and to help him. And so that throughout the Bible, uh, you could look at Gideon as an example, even David. Uh, remember when this, the prophet Samuel was looking at all the brothers, right? The brothers were coming in and they were tall and strong. And, but no, he, he was kept on looking. That was not the person that God was choosing. But it was the little shepherd boy out in the field. And that's who God wanted to use. And so this theme runs throughout the Bible, including the disciples uh, who were fishermen. And think about if you're going to start a church, would you not pick the highly educated Pharisees or you know people that had all the education? But he, he picked fishermen. And so I think it's a, a theme that runs throughout the Bible. But I, I want to encourage each of us. I know I feel weak, but I don't know how you feel. In your own life <clears throat> but i'm hoping that this message gives encouragement to you if you feel weak either to serve the lord or to obey him you will you will be strengthened by this message and i want to just read through this with you and uh we'll start out in first corinthians here 125 the weakness of god is stronger than men we read in scripture by the way there is no weakness of god this is uh a speech to kind of grab our attention, but the, if there was any weakness of God, it would be stronger than the smartest, strongest man, if you want to say it that way. Then it says uh, in verse 27, God chose what is weak to shame the strong, and in weakness and in fear, but in the power of God. And then the next one, uh, 1543, sown in weakness, raised in power, and twelve four, I will boast of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then we have uh, some more here in 2 Corinthians 13, 3, not weak in dealing with you, but powerful among you. He was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. We also are weak in him, but live with him by the power of God. And then the last one here, 13, 9, we are glad when we are weak. And you are strong. And so uh, Paul's earthly weaknesses, not his revelations, would be the platform perfect for perfecting and demonstrating the Lord's power. And so this is, should be an encouragement to us today, that God would uh, use weak and ordinary people like us to make his power magnified, to make his power brighter and to bring more glory uh, to his name where it belongs. And this is, uh, we read this one line here, uh, but I wanted to read this because this brings this point across. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And as I shared earlier, there is no foolishness of God either. Uh, But still, if there was any, it would be wiser than the wisest man. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And this is such an important point to just remember um, that we need to give God the glory. Christ's power dwelling in me. This is the next point uh, in our bulletins, the last point. And as we read in, in the text here, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. <clears throat> and so, uh, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I, I through, I think a better translation would be Dwelling in me than resting on me. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I wrote this down to uh, just understand more of what's going on here. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God not only wanted to display his grace in Paul's life, but also his power. He not only wanted the apostle to be humble but also strong because power is perfected in weakness it was necessary for the fires of affliction to burn away the dross of pride and self-confidence Paul had lost all ability humanly speaking to deal with the situation at Corinth he had visited there sent others there and written the Corinthians letters but He could not completely fix the situation. He was at the point when he had to trust totally in God's will and power. And I was just struck by in our own lives, there are times where we can't fix things. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a fixer. I like to fix things. And so if if somebody tells me they have a problem, I put you on my prayer list and I'm hoping that God will heal you. And I pray that way. And. But, but the reality is, I've been on this earth long enough to know that there are some things that, that don't get fixed. And sometimes in family situations, there's, there's, in a sense, no fixing. We pray about it, we don't see a resolve. Sometimes I had a lady come and talk to me about her marriage, and she had received counseling and stuff, but she said, uh, my husband won't change. And so, in a sense, uh, there was no fixing that situation for, for her. And, and I think that when, when we run out of uh, our own uh, trying to fix things, it's in a, in, a, in a good sense, we go to the Lord in, in, a, in a more fervent way. And I wrote this as well to speak to that. It is, when un, it is when believers are out of answers, confidence and strength, with nowhere else to turn but to God, that they are in a position to be most effective. No one in the kingdom of God is too weak to experience God's power, but many are too confident in their own strength. Physical suffering, mental anguish, disappointment, unfulfillment, and failure squeeze the impurities out of believers' lives, making them pure channels through which God's power can flow. And this is our last verse here uh, this morning. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I was struck by that. Uh, there ha- I had some different translations on that. Uh, I'll catch up on here my notes here. Uh, so if you take the Phillips translation, he says in the ESV, I am content, okay, with weaknesses and, and hardships and, and these other things. The Phillips translation says, I can even enjoy them. Now, that was uh, quite a step beyond being content in my mind. I don't know what you think. Uh, the King James says, uh, therefore, I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships. Um, this kind of, uh, it, it blows our mind to think about, is that possible? With God's help, I think uh, we can. And, and it's for Christ's sake, right? So that the power of Christ would be more clearly seen and glorified. This is why we could say that. In the NIV it said, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, and, and etc. So I think that we even see Jesus... As our example, uh, he was willing to take on flesh. Think of uh, him on the right hand of God on the throne, being willing to come down as a baby. We just celebrated Christmas. And this was, in a sense, uh, even though as we think we're we're, uh, quite something, but for God, this was a big step down. And he became weak like one of us, uh, yet without sin. And so I just think that it's good for us to have a different perspective on some of our struggles. And another word for calamities, you could say would be difficulties, right? And so when I first started this text, you know, I always compared myself to other people and I'd say, well, I really haven't had a difficulty compared to somebody on the mission field, like in India, you know, uh, or Nepal there. Um, But still we have our struggles in our lives. And so I think it's good for us to, acknowledge that. Uh, For when I am weak, then I am strong. I wrote this weak in myself and strong when Christ's power dwells in me. There's a good example. I gave some of the examples out of scripture, but we have a wonderful pastor here. And I don't know if you've heard his story. He's mentioned it a few times from the pulpit. But when I first came here, he took me out to lunch and he is a good example of God's power working through him because he was so afraid to be in front of people that he was sure that if he was in ministry, it would always be in behind the scenes. He would never be a a, a preacher. And so the reason I mentioned that is because um, there's a danger if, if a man like pastor Jeremy, he's a, he, he brings the word in a, In an amazingly beautiful way, but if we praise the man, uh, we've missed the point. And so we always need to remember it's the power of Christ. Remember, he couldn't even speak in front of people; he was so sure certain of that. And you can hear his own testimony. And uh, when I was reading in Charles Spurgeon's uh, commentary about this, he he was so strong in how he said it. He said, "If a pastor," If you, know, if you were complimented as a pastor, you should say, get behind me, Satan. I thought, wow, I wouldn't dare ever say that to anybody, in a sense, you know, if somebody said... Uh, but, but his point is well taken. The power is in Christ. The power is in his word, not in the person. So I think that you know, when you really enjoy a message, it's good for you to encourage our pastor. But tell him you, you saw the power of Christ. Through his preaching, right? That's that's what we want. That's we'll bring glory to God, and so it's not the person. And I know all of us elders we feel weak in this church to to uh, to lead and to to serve, and so it's best uh, to if you see something that looks uh, something that was praiseworthy, then praise God for it, and and just remember that. The, the power is in Christ. It's not in weak vessels like myself and the other elders and even our pastor. And so I think that's a, just an important reminder that uh, Jesus uh, gets all the glory and rightfully so. And we were, are in our weakness. Uh, we can uh, prove and show his glory and his power that, that he could use weak people like myself and like others. And so uh, this was a quote that also was in, uh, that from Spurgeon here. A grain of experience is worth a pound of observation. And if you've ever read books about pain or struggles or trials, um, it's not quite the same as when you go through it yourself. And so I want you to, to hear the Lord speak to you today. His grace is sufficient for you. His love is sufficient for you. And he goes on to say, and you can only get the knowledge of the power of God by an experimental, or I would say, experiential acquaintance with your own weakness. And you will not likely, uh, and you will not be likely to get that except you are led along the thorny and flinty way, which most of God's saints have to travel, which is described by the word tribulation. This is the reality of our lives. Um, this thorny, flinty way, as he's talking about, is part of our journey. And so I want us to have a different perspective on that. And, and when we pray or we beg, plead with God to remove uh, a stabbing pain or a thorn in our lives, um, that's, that's good. But if he chooses not to remove that, uh, let it be to change us, right? In Paul's case, to keep him humble. But let God use it, and he will use it in our lives. And so we ought to uh, remember that. And then I wanted to end the message thinking about next year, right? This is the last Sunday, if you didn't know that, uh, before we go into next year. And so this is often quoted scripture, and I think sometimes out of context, because we start thinking... uh, you know, uh, I can do all things. So uh, maybe it's for sports and different things. But but it, the context of this verse is in the sense of for obeying God and for serving God. Okay. So I'm hoping in this new year, as I point you to the new year, that you'll want to walk in obedience to God, and and you'll want to serve Him. And there was a a, uh, a quote that you'll I'm sure be familiar with. Um, by William Carey, the the missionary from India. And he said, uh, I'll see if I, great, he said, uh, great, uh, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God, okay? So when you think about the new year, expect great things from him, but I also want you to attempt great things for God. And I like to simplify that in the sense that take the step that's in front of you, whatever that is to help you to grow, to help you to serve. And so in the new year, I just would encourage and challenge everybody, whatever that step is for some, it may be baptism, uh, maybe membership, it may be uh, teaching the kids or or leading a Bible study. But I think it's important for us in our Christian walk that God has us uh, for a purpose, right? It may be giving a witness to somebody, talking to somebody about Jesus. It's, it seems very difficult and challenging, even for myself, to to have the wisdom and the grace to do it in a way that uh, will help somebody to see who Jesus is. And so I just want to really uh, give us that call in this new year. And And I believe that when we take those small steps in front of us, God continues to put another step there. And in doing that, we uh, will grow and we will uh, be used by God for great things. And it's just a, a wonderful thing that in a church, there are hundreds of ways to serve. And so for, for anybody who's part of this church, we just would ask you to, to look in the new year for how you might serve him. Well, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to bring you the glory and the praise for your word and for your power. And how amazing it is that you would use uh, ordinary weak people to display your power, even to make your power shine even brighter by using uh, weak people. I just pray, Father, that we would look at this new year That's coming and we would ask you to grow us, to help us to walk in obedience and to serve you. Lord, we know that your word is true and that we can do all things when you strengthen us and help us to have that in our minds when we take steps of faith. We take uh, steps that may be uncomfortable, but would help us to obey you and help us to serve you. Thank you again for your word. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.